Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 488. And this is a hell of an episode. I hope you're all well. I hope you enjoyed the previous episodes. A huge love for the in-between special on Friday. If you missed that, go and check that out. But this week's episode, it's one of my favourite conversations of the year, easily. Some of you will remember a couple of years ago, I did a Christmas drinks podcast with Polar Bear and Kay Tempest, largely because me, Polar and Kay would often meet up for Christmas drinks and just have a good old chat. And we decided to do it over Zoom the year I was in Canada. And it was lovely. We mentioned in that one, the other person that would sometimes join us is Musa Okwonga, who's been a previous guest, a favourite previous guest. Kay's on tour at the moment, so Kay couldn't make it along to these chats, but Musa could. And it was an absolute joy. Uh, So yeah, I jumped on Zoom with Polar Bear, aka Stephen Camden, and, and Musa Okwonga. And we just spent a couple of hours chatting. It's a two-parter. I've split it in two for you because we go for a couple of hours. We talk about Polar Bear's new collection of poetry that's out. That's what kind of prompted it. Polar's The publishers reached out about Polar Bear's new collection of poetry, which is all poems from when we used to all gig, all gig together. And it just felt like a perfect, easy way to have a nice old trip down memory lane. So, uh, yeah. That's what happens. As ever, we're brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com, where you can get all sorts of good merch, wonderful Christmas gifts. The bulk of it is reduced by 27% at the moment because the average raise in energy bills is 27% at the moment. So I decided to counter that with a matching discount across pretty much everything in the web store um, or everything I could afford to reduce by that much. Uh, we're also brought to you by patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip, where you can support the podcast for a dollar a month and it helps pay Buddy Pieces' wage, pay John Harris's wage. These are the people who do the editing and everything, the people who do the, the socials. You can do that over there. And twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pip. I've got a lot planned over at Twitch. I'm going to be on a ton between now and and the new year, um, including on the 16th, I'm planning on doing a DJ set. My first DJ set since we sh- cl- closed my club night, We Are Lizards, at the beginning of t- 2020, just before the pandemic hit. So come along for that. Other than that, I'm hanging out a lot on there. There's a lot going on. Come and get involved. It's free to watch, so come and, come and join in. But for now, anyway, we're going to have part one. Of this chat now, we're going to have part two at, a two at midday. If it's past midday, they're both available now, so you can enjoy that. Also, I've got a bonus episode on Friday. We talk a bit about football in this, and I've got a bonus episode on Friday with a really amazing charity and organisation who do a lot of community football stuff. It's really good. I think you'll, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. So check that out on Friday. Make a note if you can. As ever, if it's not a big name or a regular often a listenership will be down but it's a really good call so give that a listen let's get on with this this is episode 488 of the distraction pieces podcast this is christmas drinks with polar and musa part one 
I'm recording my 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 in room as well. Look at this. This is all beautiful. I'm here today for Christmas drinks with two people I've not had Christmas drinks with in a few years. Uh-huh. Polar Bear and, and Musa Wonga. How are you, gents? I'm good. I'm living well. Listen, got the white wine. I'm from Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> I got my dragon stout. I'm in Birmingham. All good. My bat cave. <laughs> and look at this. All us all over the place. I feel I should confess early on. I'm on the water. I'm, oh. I'm not drinking at the moment. I'm not drinking <laughs> at the moment. But I thought, realistically, if you guys had hit me up saying we're having a drink, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm not going to come because I'm not drinking. I'd be there on the water. So, <laughs> yeah, it's no judgment. I'm scaling back from beer to white wine. So, I'm also scaling back. You know how it is. I love it. And I love that I'm in Essex. Moose is in Berlin. Polar's back in Birmingham these days. Is that correct? I assume. It is, yes. It is. I love it. How are you guys? What's going on? I'm out. Leave it to you, man. How are you doing? All is well, lad. It's one of ones, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's it's funny. Everyday stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, our youngest was 13. The weekend just gone. That's mad. So we've got upstairs now, the, our oldest, who's 16, has got like four mates. So they're watching, watching Get Out in the attic now, trying to scare themselves. I love it. And our youngest is in the other room. You know, it, I'm back in Birmingham, but not on the side that I know. So I'm, yeah. I'm in the opposite side of where I, where I grew up. So it's all kind of new. It's been a couple of years now. And yeah, feeling kind of settled and good. Home. Home. Yeah, and the nice, it's a weird one, Musa, because like my family have kind of left. Mm. So my mum actually, mum's just come back from Jamaica this week and she's in there for two months and everyone's gone. So it's like that weird thing of, I feel like I'm, I do feel like I'm back to a degree, mm. but also I feel complete. it feels completely new. I don't feel any real kind of a tie, weirdly, which is kind of lovely, if I'm honest. It feels really nice. London's like that. When I go back to London, it's like that. There's no one. Like if I went and held like a birthday party in London, I'd be a bit nervous about who yeah. would turn up. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly well, I, I that, mean, mate. I can yeah. relate. I, I live in the same town I've literally always lived in, but mm. whenever I talk to people, I'm like, oh, right, I've, I don't know anyone here anymore. Like, there's mm. my family. There's there's my direct family and that's it. Other than that, I ain't knocking about with anyone. I dragged you here once, Moose, and we went to a horrible pub. That's right, yeah, good times. No, I had a good time. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I mean, we both experienced racism in there, which was intriguing for a, a, a cis white man to experience. But, that was but, mild. That was mild. It was mild. Not, oh, it's super this mild. Is, yeah. This is navigable. I mean, <laughs> Essex racism is like, it's fine. I mean, you know, once you've been in Berlin for eight years, man. Like, yeah. we, saw, we saw some old Nazi the other day walking around with his like Nazi hoodie on. There's like, you know, there's, yeah, you know, there's like certain, you know, there's certain brands that are like ambiguously Nazi. Yeah. yeah. This guy was wearing the hardcore like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nordic gods insignia runes and this old this old boy was walking along and I was like man like you're really going after it I almost respected the kind of like (laughs) the integrity of just following through the bit to the very end Is yeah. it exactly like, when you reach, bit, when you reach exactly a point where it's like, this is me, this is, this is me, and you're like, oh my gosh. Listen, he's going to die on that hill, I have to say, yeah. at, some, at some level I rate it, I rate it at some level. <laughs> yeah, he's walking down the street thinking, you know, Sally. there's been times in history that it was harder. There's been times in history it was easier to be a Nazi, but there's been times it was harder as well, so here I am. But it's his worst nightmare, he's got like a bisexual black poet in the neighbourhood, like he didn't... <laughs> All of your dreams have f- f- failed, my friend. All of your dreams have failed. To be honest, on top of all, it's probably the roll neck, probably the roll neck he hated most. <laughs> <laughs> that is what. <laughs> How is it out there, man? How is it out there? 
It's amazing. Because you've been there a, a, how many years now? Eight years. Eight years. Life-changing. It's unbelievable. Came here at the age of 34. Well, just gone through, just as my 34th birthday, like 10 days after I moved here. Knew three people when I got here, not that well. Two of them moved out within six months, went to different countries for work. And so it was a completely fresh start. Didn't do a poetry gig here for the first six months, which was deliberate. And I didn't make mm. many friends. I just basically came under the radar. I didn't even tweet about being in Berlin for the first 18 months I was here. And just basically made new friends. I had one rule when I went out. I was like real like, world new friends, not, yeah, I, not social no, media new friends, I, you know, just I don't, I don't meeting people in stuff. public. I love That's that. That's not my, not my energy. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing, guys. It was amazing. It's changed my life. Yeah. Uh, have you picked up much German? Do you? I, sp- I spoke already. When I, I, already sp- I spoke already. I did oh, it for my A level, so I almost did German at uni. So basically, it's a question of reactivating it, and it's like it's basically back. Mate, <laughs> I've been thinking about it a, a lot recently because my favorite ever TV show is German, and I was watching an episode the other night, and I was like, it's so beautifully shot and acted. I feel kind of heartbroken that I'm having to glance down at subtitles all the time. What dark is it? <laughs> no, uh, B- Babylon Berlin. Everyone raves about that, you know. You, mate, it's astounding. Yeah, it's all right, man. Like, you put astounding. me onto it that day. You put me yeah. onto it. That I'll first season a... in particular. Like... Yeah. I just hey, think wait, wait, it's Pip. You're not getting away with this. What are you up to? Let's don't 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 avoid <laughs> don't avoid capture. How are you doing, man? Don't I'm avoid good. Capture. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm kind of podcasting. I'm plugging away, guys. You, mm. you know how it is. It's been a weird year for me, actually, again. Like, me and, and Polar, and all of us have often talked that when we meet up for Christmas drinks, I'm relentlessly positive and driven. Mm. This has been the first year that things have got on top of me a little bit, and I felt yeah. a bit, oh, man, this is... Because just moving into film and TV and particularly tr- trying to get scripts made mm. is such a long and slow, and it can be a, a, a game that you're hitting wall after wall after wall. And normally, as you know, I'm like, all good, onto the next wall. Let's bring it on. But there's been a couple of times th- this year that I've been like, is this because I'm shit? Is this because it's oh, not Jesus. good? And I'm in a better spot now. Like I've, I've just had yeah. a few things in the last week that I'm like, right, I now know what my focus is next year, basically. It feels like it's a bigger job than ever, but I know what it is a bit now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, some clarity. Yeah, and but yeah, it's been a weird year for that of kind of, like as 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 or both of of you, I spoke to while I was in Canada. Like yeah. when I was filming I loved debris, that, I love that show you did, man. Oh my Mate, god, it was such good fun. But that's been a weird one because that was my first. Like I was one of the leads in that. I was the main bad guy. All this, and you expect you kind of have those things in your career. I, I like in spoken word. As soon as you start start headlining, you're thinking, mm. right, I'll get more <laughs> headline bookings or whatever. And then I just had nothing for like twelve months after that, and you kind of like. Yeah. Oh shit, I thought this was like, again, everything in all of these industries, you think that one thing that you've been chasing is going to be the the breakthrough mm-hmm. and it never is. It's never what you expect it to be. It's always a no. surprise. You go, oh right, that was just an- another thing that happened. Like a dope thing, but it's not that thing that you expect it to be the, here's the one that's that's going to change everything. So, oh yeah. my God, you know, it's so funny to hear you say that because of all the people I know, you have made every single career step ahead of time like your music and spoken word nailed it your poetry nailed it you changed you made the transition from music to podcasting at Mm. an incredible time you made the transition from podcasting to acting and incredible it's it's, you everything you've done in your career you've never made a false move like it's unbelievable i basically crashed into every single barrier before getting to be honest even what i'm doing now it's kind of people, oh no, you worked hard. It's kind of a fluke. Like I was quite resigned to, this is why I've got such amazing friends. I've got such amazing friends in Berlin because I basically gave up on the idea of having a career like I've got now. I basically yeah. was like, I'm going to be in Berlin and earn just enough to pay my rent. And then basically just like, 
live. And I'll be happy with that. And that was as recent as my 40th birthday, actually. And again, to kind of flip this, I know this is a, a praise fest now, but you've been a big inspiration on a, a lot of my script writing because of one time us three went out for a drink. And I know Polar will know about this because as soon as you left, me and Polar were like, did Musa say he'd written like three or four novels and just not done anything with them? before he got his first one made. Because again, I know that in our spoken word days, Polar, for me in particular, there wasn't a lot that was a draft. Like if I wrote it, I was doing it on stage. Do you know what I mean? And I remember us, you saying it was when your first book had come out, I think, and you saying, yeah, well, it's not the first I've written. You know, I've got a a folder full of of these things. It's my seventh. And we kind of (laughs) nodded politely. And when you left, we were both like, Man's done six novels and just just put them on a hard drive somewhere, and now, yeah. and now it's like, yeah, I've done this. It's it's this breakthrough, but I've had that with scripts. I've got honestly, I've got, oh god, I think four feature films now, and a couple of like episode ones of TV s- series written, and all of that. Like, it, re- remembering that conversation was a massive breakthrough for me because wow. it made me go, all oh, right, it's not about because the first ever script I wrote, I was like. I need to get it made. I need to get it here immediately. And that's all the all the focus. And then remembering that made me go, no, no, all that stuff will come in time. Mm. The the buzz is writing it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And creating it. And it made me think on, on the record label, every artist I ever released would celebrate when we handed in the, the masters and the artwork. Mm. Not when it came out, not when it got good reviews or when it sold records or got on the radio. Well, when we handed it in, because the this, this celebration is, oh, sh- oh shit, we made this. Like, this is something we've done. There's a great spoken word artist, uh, Polar Bear, once said, what's important, making is. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. We remember that's... the scriptures. <laughs> but, but this is no. one of the reasons I got us three to, uh, together <laughs> for, 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 for this drink, because Polar's got his collection coming out and it's all yeah, from exciting. from our days and just as soon as I got hit up about it and and again I've I've said to Polar before I've said to Miss Ball anytime I get a PR person hit me up about having one of my pals on the amount of pride I feel because again we all come from the days where we'd be hitting people up ourselves, man. There ain't no one hitting anyone up on our behalf. The new collection so, of the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls of spoken word, man. It is. <laughs> it is. So, so, tell us a bit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how's it come about, and what's and how does it feel? So basically, Kaya, Kaya Chingani, yeah, yeah, amazing yeah. writer, just cool guy. Like, I've known him. First time I wrote something that was longer, the first hour-long piece that I worked, I wrote and worked on with it collaborators and we, they let us take over the south bank and we blew all the budget on putting massive vinyl on the w- walls and like doing stuff the idea was when you come and saw that out, so afterwards it would be like a kind of real communal thing where everyone could just hang out mm. and i remember i'd seen kaya at a gig in leeds we'd shared we'd shared up doing the same gig in leeds and he was based in sheffield at the time and i absolutely loved what he did and i asked him to come down and speak at this thing so we became friends this is like 2008 mm. Um, we became friends from there, so the paths would cross at different points. You know, and he started writing more and and becoming more of a force, you know, like he, he's an incredible poet. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. He reached out to me and was like, where are all these poems? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, um, people reference it all the time. These things were impactful. These things were, um, they don't, on the shelf of the history of what these things were, they, there's no, why, why aren't you there? And I'm like, well, 
I never wrote them down. And he's like, well, do you want to write them down? I'm doing this thing for Bloomsbury where I choose, I get to choose four people. And then we're doing like a kind of a collection to celebrate poetry in different forms. And I really think that, and I'm like, mate, well, I, I don't really write short form stuff anymore. It's been a long, long time. He was like, no, I want the older stuff. And so it's this long, laborious process of me literally having to write them all down for the first wow. time. They're all in my head still. But the point being, it was like he was like, then this, this idea started forming of almost celebrating that time capsule feel of it, mm. where it was like everything in it is, so it's 2004 to 2009, which is nuts to me because that means that the most recent thing in it is still older than our son who was just 13. Dude, that's one of the greatest runs in spoken word history. <laughs> the run you were on, honestly, I have chills remembering and, it, man. And the run yeah. pro- proper, again, I love what Carol's brought up there is, I can't think think of many people in that scene that were more influential now that's partly because of the workshops and stuff you did and the teaching but the amount of poets either on the scene now or who have been and gone and moved on to writing novels that's how old we all are guys but who have who have been the the next generation and moved on the amount of them who are all influenced by those stories that you used to tell and those pieces that you'd go through you know how deep it goes? It's the body language. You know, like Jay-Z has that thing. You can tell he watched Jay-Z rap because Jay-Z would have this thing where he'd have the mic in one hand and then the hand would be at 45 degrees, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You could <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, who's yeah, seen yeah, yeah. Polar do spoken word because it was like the hand on the right pocket. The one hand and then the hand yeah, was like... You're, out, you're deep. No, I said, listen, <laughs> <laughs> when, when the body language, when the body... And the head was tilted to one... The head was like tilted at a 75-degree angle, and the hammers, I was like, this person's... <laughs> Mate, what am I supposed to say? I can't say anything. I've seen podcast, it, I've seen it. I've, I've, seen I've it. spoken to <laughs> Cecilia Knapp, to, to Jack Rook, to Jodie Ann Bickley, numerous people all talk about finding their voice in spoken word, and all have said the journey is, first we all found Polar's voice, yeah. And then and then we had his voice for a while and then we we find our own voice. Because again, that is how you were taught and how you were influenced. And then again, all of those people just flourished and I think yeah. it's stories, right? It, can I defend myself slightly? Because like, I think it's one of the things where like <laughs> it's just bear in mind, right? Like you were saying before about this. this Most of me and you didn't defend ourselves from the the praise. We just just took it. Polar's <laughs> obviously gonna defend I learned. No, I've, le- I've learned to drink it deep. Yeah. And can I defend myself from this? <laughs> <laughs> no, saying I'm, those just, things. Let me I'm not myself. I'm just I'm, okay. I'm justifying, <laughs> quantifying, maybe. Yeah, right? yeah. It's interesting because, like you were saying there, Musa, like um, the the fluke of things and the stumbling into things. It's like, and at one, I used to wrestle with in my mind, like whether I was telling myself a lie or whether this was it was as kind of haphazard as, as it felt. It genuinely did feel like I was kind of playing catch up, and these things were just kind of pouring out. And for me, it was such a such an enlightener, such a such a kind of revelatory thing for me to realize that not only was there something in me that I kind of hoped was in me in terms of homage to my own kind of family and upbringing about this kind of just hold trying to hold people with you when you when you tell a story yeah. but also just that, that I was allowed you know that like, these things were connecting with people in these realms and partly because I didn't really have an experience or there was an ignorance about what this thing was I think I, if I'd have paid more attention I probably would have not stepped into a lot of these spaces because I, I felt a little bit and sometimes that would get me, make me defensive or make me like not sure and I would leave quickly and stuff. But there was something mm. about the license of a story. Mm. So I think that's what it speaks to rather than me specifically. I think it's that sense of like, right, oh, anything can be a thing. Then how far and how crafted and how much I want to pour into it is up to me on the top of that. But in this, all I ever did was give people the license to feel that they 
whatever they were trying to say or trying to express was valid. Can or I, I, yes, enough. but there's something about technique and craft in that. Sorry to like yeah, throw yeah, more praise on you. There's a way that specific in terms of the craft, you may people unafraid of minutiae, right? The small things, because when you're doing poetry on stage, you almost went in the opposite direction. People are like, oh, like I'm on stage, just making a, a grand statement. But it's the way you describe monumental events in really like, you, you, how do I say this? You would never grandstand. So I just watched an amazing FIFA documentary, like FIFA, it's called uh, FIFA Uncovered on Netflix, right? Yeah. And the genius of it, it does. It doesn't overstate the scandal. The music's not dramatic. It's actually quite mournful. It's like tragic. It goes, what a terrible thing. This is meant to be a beautiful thing. And yeah. there's, that, there's, there's a detail you use when you're talking about um, the story where a dad leaves mm-hmm. and there's just the jacket on the back of the thing is missing, yeah. right? The tiny detail. And it's like, a lot of people would have been like, ah, oh, dad's gone, da, da, da. but you just did it as a kind of like, oh, the jacket was missing. Yeah. And it's a tiny thing. I know it's like, but then people heard stuff like that and they could be, oh, we don't have to use grand gestures to tell grand stories. Yeah. And that's, that makes sense. And yeah, that's, it definitely makes sense. It was, and 99% of storytellers don't actually go in that direction, if that makes sense. Sorry if yeah, I'm throwing yeah, that yeah. I'm yeah, loving yeah. having, being able to witness Polar Bear after Acceptors breaking down his genius. But <laughs> what I would add to that, Musa, <laughs> is, is the, the, the calm level with which grand events were addressed yes. meant that the minutiae would then feel grand as well, was allowed yes, to feel exactly. grand. So the yes, small absolutely. things, particularly in relationship or family stuff, those small details in, in, in Jessica Brown, in, in, like, in all these, these different ones that would just be, then give you shivers. And you'd remember that when you were young, when you were at school, they were the monumental things. It wasn't. It wasn't the stuff that you would t- traditionally say. This is a monumental moment. It would be a glance or a look in class, or it would be that that moment of of hello or goodbye or being uh, locked in a cupboard together or or whatever else. And it's yeah. It makes those tiny little bits because they're on the same level as the grand stuff. It it raises their grandness and brings the grand stuff down. All the poets you've mentioned are the kind of poets where people would walk in a venue, go, "I hate poetry," mm. and they'd be like, they come away going, "Oh, that that." That spoke to me. That's look, Jody, Cecilia, like obviously Kao as well, Kumakanda, that collection. All those poets are of that tradition. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's what poetry's for. You know, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Can I can I say something? I think it, it it's I think what's interesting is what was interesting for me then was mm. and what I kind of had to almost kind of grasp quite quickly was I remember the first time I ever did it, genuinely, if I had, if they hadn't pulled my name, they had to, you had to put your name in the hat, right? If, yeah. I, I genuinely believe this isn't like romanticizing it. If they hadn't pulled my name out first, if I'd have been, if I'd have seen what else had gone on, yes, I would have run a mile. Not because I didn't like it, because it would have, it, I didn't. It blew my mind the the mm. range of voices. These individuals, like you could do anything you wanted. I'd never seen anything like it. I wasn't right. a massive gig goer. I wasn't at all. Right. We go out raving, but in terms of like watching somebody who crafted something share that, mm. it was a really alien environment to mm. me. And what was fun for me was going, oh, you are what you speak here. Yes. what you want to become. And some people become a persona. Yes. Well, I guess everyone becomes a persona to a degree, but like some people like, almost slip into a definite character. Mm. I remember the first time we met Lad and you pulled out the case and the hats were coming on and stuff. The the yeah, orchestration yeah, yeah. and the, uh, the characterization that I'm like, all oh, right, that's his thing. And it was inspiring, not because it made you go like, I want to do that. It's like, right, that's his thing. I want a thing. What's my, and you're trying, you're trying to grasp what your thing is. I'm, I remember us, connecting over the connections and over the differences because i remember when you came and played with me i think it was at, um at some venue it was a really mm. gr- 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 grand venue but it's no the royal albert hall 
Yeah. But it was in the small room. So yeah. I could put on the CD at the Royal Albert Hall, but it was like in the bar area or some shit. And yeah. I remember you, you talk about the differences, as you were saying, about being kind of quite unplanned and stumbling through things. And I'm meticulously planned on mm. on on the performance and all that kind of thing. But again, yeah. I've literally got all of it planned out. But that wasn't a thing to to put distance between us. So that was a thing yeah. to go, oh shit, I love how you didn't know what you were going to do and you you vibed the room. And I went into that gig going, I know what I'm saying in between each fucking poem, let alone the order I'm doing them in. And I know where I'm standing on stage and all that kind of thing. So it's a respect thing, right? It is. I'm sure we'd share many stages. I remember us having conversations in stairwells and stuff. And I remember a couple of times actually speaking to you and like almost feeling like you'd given me too much credit when we were speaking. Uh, we were speaking about stuff and you'd mentioned something and I was like, oh, that's so gorgeous that you've seen that. But my brain never felt conscious of what that was mm-hmm. and I couldn't work out whether that was um, better or it was kind of worse. And I'd, I'd leave places sometimes kind of questioning myself, like, all right, okay, but I should I, be, I should be thinking about this kind of more. But then whenever I tried, it would come out and it would be like, I don't know, it would it'd end up being quite angry, ever so slightly aggressive or like mm. it wouldn't, I don't know what, it, maybe it's a defensive thing. I'm not sure. You know, like when some, it's like watching footballers, you know, like watch certain yeah. footballers. It's like Modric, right? Modric plays in the middle, but actually of a centre midfielder, he's actually, he's out of position so often. Yeah, like yeah. You're catching back in the right back spot and the left back. And Modric is really amazing because he's a very, he's tactically a genius, but he's intuitive. Yeah. Modric understands that his best game is base. It's a little bit chaotic, right? So he responds, he sees the way he plays out and then he responds to it. And so sometimes when you get credit as a poet for things, it's because you've understood that actually your best state is not when you're overthinking. Yeah. You're being intuitive, you're responding. You might have like eight poems in your head, you have to perform three, and you're yeah. working out on the fly. Actually, that poem goes there, that line goes there. I'll cut, yeah. my set short. I'll cut my set short because that... And so what I was praising was the fact that you seem to be able to... You had the bravery to be intuitive in front of an audience where you would make choices. Yeah. I could see you sometimes make choices on the fly about what do I do there? How do yeah. I tell that? How do, does that make sense? Yeah, and for sure. Th- that, that, that's quite, that's a brave thing to uh, do. Like, this is the most us conversation ever, but the rap version of Modric there is big boy in Outcast. He's regularly <laughs> off beat. He's regularly going, he's drifting in and out, but he's oh. on it. He's making it work. He's in the chaos and it's just, it makes it absolutely astounding. You realise this is completely Moose's wheelhouse. This is, this, this is, is <laughs> this, this is his Venn <laughs> diagram. Yeah, yeah. this is lives, it. This is it. <laughs> it's a beautiful spot and I listen to it every single week. I literally get yeah. paid for this. I get paid for this. Mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is though, man. It's that mix. But there is something gorgeous about, you know, it's out, mine all, are out, they're either football or they're food and yeah. everything becomes analogous <laughs> when, it, when you, you just yeah. tap into the passion of what it is and like what is too much and what is enough. And I think, Speaking of Modric, the reason I love him is because he feels like he's running it without ever shouting that he's running it. And also, yes, he'll yes, shoot. Mate, yes. when he needs to, my man will just shoot. And he won't, like, he's got a selfishness as well about him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he will he will make it happen when it needs to happen. Anyway, sorry. That's so niche. So niche. He's the dad. He's the dad who basically lets his kids have their freedom when he's like, look, time to come in or time to, like, he knows, he lets them all run a bit wild, but when it has to raise his voice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, I know it sounds like yeah. a small thing, but you know, obviously I, I watch football for a living. I talk about yeah. it and I'm obsessed with spotting parallels because I'm obsessed with like stagecraft. I'm obsessed with yeah. how people, especially in team structures, do their own thing, but allow people space to, Yeah, does that make sense? It yeah. does make complete sense, mate. Yeah. And it's something that I completely agree mate, with. A, yeah. There's, there's a, a something you, you wrote, Musa, that I reference all the time because I think it's one of the most beautiful descriptions of a, a footballer and it was in a, a culture a left foot I think and it's when you're talking about 
Zidane and you explained him by kind of making parallels to parkour. If there's no restrictions and you want to get from A to B, he's not doing tricks and flips to show off in the way um, a Ronaldinho or a Ronaldo might do. He's going, imagine there was no physics and no restrictions. What would be the best way to get from here to here? And he's doing it. And it happens to be he's nutmegging someone or putting it over his own own shoulder and going yeah. through. But it's not in a, it's in a, 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 a logical and a functional yeah. way rather than in a showy way. Yeah, there's always a point to it. Yeah, there's yeah. always a point. Yeah, yeah. But I think I also as well, I love this. I can't lie, this is really fun for me. But what I'm saying is like the, the, the reason <laughs> I fell in love with him as well was that when you say the word grace, people assume a kind of lightness, a kind yeah. of, a, like, but there's weight in grace as well. Yes, it can be yeah. real weight. And he like, Everything was purposeful, but like you say, it was musical because it's the intuition, it's the it's the instinct, it's the instantaneous intuition. Yes. But we've done with such conviction, yes, that you could not question whether it was. And it's fascinating, you know, because what's called it? Um, remember that there's that really famous Ronaldinho interview when he says, like, how when you look at the running defender, what how when do you decide what you're going to do? He says, I don't. I yes. run at the defender, and it happens. Yeah. And you go, what do you mean? Well, if I know, he'll already know. And you're like, yeah. wow, that okay, that's mind. taking it to another level, I yeah. guess. But that, that blew in, my in mind. Essence, that interview blew my mind because that people talk about there's not footballing intelligence, but you talk to footballers about the decision making, yeah, and the decisions they're making are absolutely incredible, and they're creative and they're beautiful. And I think it's so amazing that you know some some writers are like that. Some writers, the most elegant solution is also the most logical one. Yeah, like imagine that. Imagine making art for a living where it just so happens that the most effective way is also the most beautiful thing that anyone's ever seen. Yeah. Like, imagine if that's your actual... Completely, yeah. Dad. Can I ask a question then along those lines? Because am I right to ask... Can I just... Can what I, yeah, sure. oh, what I'm saying is because I've, 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 I've been thinking about this a lot, like just because of this, this thing kind of coming out and thinking about what that was as a form. And, you know, like I... A lot of my appreciation or excitement for it, if I'm honest, is kind of in hindsight, looking back, at the time, it was it felt like it was just happening and this stuff was coming out. Then when they started getting longer, the shorter stuff kind of like fell away to the side. Mm. Not because it was like it wasn't as good. It just the, the stories were getting kind of broader and there wasn't time in a set. But there's something about the mouth and the choice when you're writing for the mouth of what that is, what that economy is and what when that is enough and when that is too much, what to do with that, which is different to the page, not in a better or worse way, but in a way that I found ridiculously exciting because it's almost like, I get as much of the person as I do the words, mm. you know? So it's like, I think for me, anyway, when I would see people, what I would respond to in hindsight, now looking back, wasn't even what you were saying. It was what I believed to be the why or the intention wow. behind it. So I would wow. leave with a sense of you. And I would say, I would say, people would say like, oh, what did you see? And I might not remember a name. I might not even remember a line, but I go, the one, the guy who was thinking about family or something, I would, do you know what I mean? I would say the woman who was saying, yeah. and it, I, I realized that it's like, what's gorgeous about it is, it's a different kind of edit to the page. A sentence for the mouth is a different kind of edit to the page, right? Love that. Love Do you know that. what I mean? And I think there's a beauty in it. And it's really funny because it's what I come from. I know I never met yes. writers or anything, but I, I came from people who would come with very little, but had reams of this stuff that would just come yes. out of their mouths. Yes. And you're like, right. It's all basically, it's all homage in hindsight. And this point, from when I realised this, kind of going forward, actively now, whatever I'm doing, it's all homage to that All my books of, are homage. My books are yeah. so short. My last three books, 50,000 words, 50,000 words, 30,000 words. That's all from spoken word, brevity. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, if I can't say it in a short space, how do I expect everyone else to absorb it? Yeah. I want people, my, no, the book I wrote that's probably the most successful of the last couple of years, it's what, 30,000 words long. And basically I did that and it's all short paragraphs, short sentences, because I want people... Yeah. To pick it up and put it in their bag. I don't want people to carry around a 400 page, but I want them to like yeah, have yeah. something they can put in their jacket pocket. Sh sh 
shall but we? It works, lad. Shall we spend the whole night a quote in polar? But w- w- why say in ten words what you can say in two? <laughs> why say in two words what you can shut the fuck up and do? Again, as he, it's, he's got his he's, he's, he's got his book coming out. Neither of us Sorry, need man. to get it, Moose. Ah, we know no, it. No, all. We remember that, it all so well. You but know, it's true. But it's that's true. what I felt like reading the books, Moose. And weirdly, because of the maybe the, just the proximity of the, the releases, mm. you know, um, one of them, and then it's all about. In the end, it was all about love. Mm. They feel like almost companiony. In some way yeah. to me, because I, because I I could I consume them so close together oh, in wow. a time when we were locked down and like and it's that thing of yeah. uh, maybe that maybe it's because I I know you as well so mm. that kind of like that was the kind of glue that kind of but it's there's something about like you say I don't think brevity does it enough justice because brevity feels like it's almost like um clipped somehow in my definition of it anyway like mm. it feels like it's okay I'm doing this because too much is the worst it's like no 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 it's more like that Zidane thing of like right. He doesn't have to step and then twist and step over the thing where he spins and pirouette. He doesn't have to do that. Mm. In that moment, it's not just the easiest way to get out of that. It's also the most beautiful. Mm. So brevity, it's like it's it's brevity, but it's like it's brevity like like nature is right. Like it's science of pretension you know, now. But not, like, not, not to compare myself to him, so I'll take a breath before I compare. I'll, I'll make the analogy. So I'll take a breath because I can't <laughs> match myself in the same breath as him. So Leo Messi scores a goal against the UAE, right in the warm up yeah. for the um, World Cup, and it's amazing because. I, I sent it to some friends, uh, including Inoue, actually. Mm-hmm. Inoue was like, explain to me why this goal is genius. And I said, because four seconds into this footage, there are six people between Leo Messi and the goal. Yeah. And six seconds later, he's escaped all of them. In six seconds, the most famous man, the best, the most famous football in the world, the greatest football in my opinion ever kicked a ball, with the exception of maybe Maradona, right? Yeah. Has, has escaped six people who are looking for him, who are all looking for him. Like, yeah, yeah. so to me, and it's that, like, how do, I look at all my favorite writers, Bowser, Hemingway, Doris Lessing, Sylvia Plath. They escape puzzles and problems. They have the most elegant solution in the blink of an eye. Like, there's an amazing um, writer called Jennifer Nansabuga Mukumbi, right? Yeah. And there's a book, she's written a huge book, The First Woman. And there's a pivotal scene. It's, a, it's one of the biggest scenes. It's a pivotal encounter. Honestly, you're waiting for it for like hundreds of pages. And when she gets to it, she deals with it in three sentences. Yeah. I'm like, and I met her and I said, you've got a lot of guts doing that. I said, listen, a lot of writers would have spent four pages on that and you did it in four lines and you nailed it. Yo, can I ask you then, look, sorry, this is get, I'm getting excited now, Pip, sorry, but I'm saying it. is like, That's what we're but, here the, for. but, but, but you know what's interesting to me about that is, is the word guts and maybe it's like a romanticized thing or maybe it's just, I don't know what it is, but like, it's what I respect the most, I think, whether, whether I, it's my own interpretation of bravery mm, or my, yeah. interp- and like you say, it's like when sometimes that's just the unexpected, or sometimes it's something that I wasn't even expecting, but more often than not, it's just, I b- fully believe that's exactly what you wanted to say and not what you thought I was going to respond the best to or would like the most. What you thought people would want. Exactly. What you thought you had to s- yeah, serve exactly. up to people. The, the thing I liked about what you said there about Messi Musa was acknowledging that he's the most famous footballer in the world. So the 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 beauty of that is like one of my favourite MMA fighters has always been this guy Damian Meyer. He's retired now. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. And what I just adored about him was you knew exactly what he was going to try and do. And you couldn't stop him. He was a jiu-jitsu guy. He didn't have good strike. Yeah. He was going to try and drag you. He didn't have good takedowns even. He was going to try and drag you down in submission. And there was a run where everyone knew all you had to do was stop him dragging you down and submitting him, whether that's by knocking him out or keeping away from him or whatever else. But no one could stop him. And he didn't have the most amazing career in the end, but that's why he remained one of my favourites because you have people like an Anderson Silva who you never knew what he was going to do. It was going to, you know, things could be coming out of nowhere. But with Damian Meyer, 
these high-level, best-in-the-world athletes knew exactly what he was going to do and they could not stop him. And that's the beauty of a Messi there. All six of those, it's not any random player, all six of those players are like, oh shit, here comes Messi, we must stop him. Your family's been telling you for an entire week. That's an unknown player. Your family's been telling you, don't let him go here. When Leo does this, what are you going to do? I'm going to do this, I'll do that, I'll check back, I'll do this. Are you sure? Do you remember? Okay, forget your lunch. And then like, and then it gets there. <laughs> and you get there and he's like, you can yeah. do nothing. But did you guys hear that, that there's um Thierry Henry talking about him once at Barca talking about training and basically like they were just they're playing training mm-hmm. and like Messi scores a goal and then someone gets called up calls gets called up for offside or something or like a or a foul and Messi kind of goes, No, 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 it wasn't. He goes, Yeah, Pep goes like, Yeah, it was a foul, it was a foul. And Messi goes, Okay, okay. And he just takes the ball back and he purposely makes sure he goes past absolute like we're talking about, you know, twenty 21 players of the elite. elite level and he just makes sure he goes and then scores doesn't say anything but just just I, that, I love that this diminutive like middle finger yes. I don't know it's maybe it's a little bit you know it's no, it's kind of like teenage in my in my perception no but it's all a bit teenage it's all a bit yeah. teenage like this thing people um, the other day I was talking to someone and she was saying how much are artists motivated by pettiness and like mm-hmm. and artists. actually like a lot of the greatest work has come out of grudges yeah mm. a lot of the greatest mm. work a lot of the greatest yeah, yeah. essays books you know polemics like you know obviously we Music. all come from we're influenced by hip hop. We've seen that. You know, obviously we talk about the late great MF Doom. There's a guy who never ever, Doom was amazing because Doom never picked a fight with anyone. But then again, no one beefed with Doom because he was yeah, the best. Yeah. No one was the, like there are certain people no one sends for, right? No one ever sent for Andre. Yeah. No one ever sent for Lauren. No one ever sent for Doom because people knew that no one wanted that problem. Yeah, yeah. These rappers would never mention people's names, right? If you think about it, the three greatest rappers, maybe they will end up of all time. I think Kendrick too, to an extent. Kendrick is someone who doesn't really mention apart from control. Yeah. Kendrick doesn't mention people it's because yeah, actually yeah. they're competing against something else yeah. they're competing against the craft and when we talk about craft actually I know Kay's not here today but Kay is someone who I think exemplifies the greatest artists have the most guts the braver I got with my work both technically and emotionally the better yeah. I got like it's yeah. off the scale there's a specific period in my life where I stopped caring and just went for it and the improvement in my career and not just not just commercially but just creatively yeah, yeah. it just went off the scales it's unrecognizable compared to what came before i'd say mm-hmm. and i always and I've, I've i've not prepped many questions or things for this but one of the things i did prep was i was thinking about key moments that that, that i've had in in my career and two of them wow. honestly wow. involve or one of them involves both of you and one of them um involves just a you moose but the one with polar Again, I remember the first time that we properly connected, I felt, was at that Poe Jazzy event. Yeah. Um, And I've been talking a lot recently about how I don't think I get imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is wondering if you don't belong here. And Mm. I accepted I don't belong here long ago because it's mad. I shouldn't be here at all. Like, as a working-class kid with a stammer who never did any kind of performing at school and that I've already far exceeded my own expectations or expectations anyone had of me so I can just enjoy it now and I think at that gig I remember me and Polar connecting because we kind of felt like the two people that could probably get kicked out any minute because it was a proper swanky venue (laughs) and and again I think it meant that we both had that relaxedness on stage because there wasn't a do I belong? It's like, no, I don't belong in a fancy like wine bar or, or, or jazz bar or whatever. It's so cool. I can just go up and it, like all the pressure's off now. Yes. Like that pressure's off. I can just go, cool, I'll just relax into this. And I think yeah. watching your performance on that night and again, just us chatting, we were the t- 
two only people in caps um and, and again it felt like it's like we're not meant to be in this but we're here and we're gonna have the best time and it was it's one of my favorite gigs as well so yeah because it is a wonderful and welcoming sh- sh- show i didn't know it that well at that time but it was a swanky venue right it mm-hmm. was yeah 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 and there's something about class that really upsets me about the way obviously the uk in terms of the cost of living has gone because mm. poetry spoken word it felt like a you know, as a working class space where working class artists did incredible things out of that. It felt like an outlet and a platform that was such a special one and it doesn't exist now. Like you look at the cost of things now, what was possible in 2007 when everyone was breaking through? And 2007 is a year where it was a big year, I think. A lot, a lot of artists came through in that period, that window. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of heartbreaking to think that's not possible now for people starting out. I talked to a guy yesterday moving back to London. He was like, what do I do when I get back to London? I said, don't get sucked under. Yeah. Like have like four or five other cities where you can keep, like use London as your base, but do gigs in Amsterdam, Lisbon, Berlin, like Paris, like don't let that place suck you under. And in mm-hmm. 2007, my advice would have been go and do as many gigs as you can in London because London yeah. was where you could get like all your kind of vitamins really well, creatively. Well, that's where the, 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 the other big moment comes in, Moose, and I'm not sure I've ever told you about this. I was thinking about it recently because it's the 20-year anniversary of Personal Journals by Sage Francis. And yeah. me and Sage are doing some stuff in my oh, wow. web store about it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he did a post about it. And I had to comment saying, look, without this record, I don't think I would have started writing, mm-hmm. which is mad now that he's my friend and, and like we crack do pipes. stuff together. And all. Nuts, yeah, nuts. crack pipes, all of that was just, it was a game changer for me. But what Polar was saying there about going to that first open mic and if he, his name hadn't been picked out of the hat, he might not have done it. I remember going to a spoken word gig. I think it was the second ever spoken word gig I'd gone to because I didn't grow up on poetry or spoken word. I grew up on rap and then found people who were doing it without beats. And I went to one at, at RADA. What was the one at, at, at RADA, Moose? Was it at RADA? Was yeah, it the John Paul O'Neill thing he used to do? Yes. Yeah, that guy. What was that? John was that Paul thing? O'Neill. I can't remember the night was called, but yeah, John Paul O'Neill used to write it. Was, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was that night and I was just in the crowd. I don't think I put my name down or anything. And everyone who performed there, there was amazing but I didn't feel any of them were talking to me. I felt all of them were talking a foot or two over my head until a young man called Moose Rock Wonga got up. And I felt felt you were speaking to me. And again, it was the only other spoken word night I'd gone to was the complete, because that is quite a, it's in a nice wealthy area. It was quite an upper class night. Everyone was, you know, from very different backgrounds to me. The only other night I'd gone to was all like a crusty punk. So we were all doing poems about Thatcher still and stuff like that. So it was so far apart. But as I said, I'd got through a chunk of that night and I'd started thinking, man, I don't know if I can even put my name down at a, 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 a place like this. Because again, and not to disrespect anyone, everyone on that night was amazing. But I didn't feel any of them were talking to me until you got up and it felt like you were talking to me and your performance was to everyone. Honestly, can I say this? I'm so proud of the spoken word days because I still see people from those days, like, you know, musicians who've gone and done huge things we know and yourselves. And I'm so proud of, you know, obviously I went to, I went to like, you know, a posh boarding school, uh, middle-class background. But the thing I loved about poetry was of all the things I've done in my life, it felt like one of the most fair, even though like being at private mm. school, obviously there's a certain level of like presentation and confidence that gives you. But what I loved about poetry was you felt it's like one of those few things where you're being judged, like on the quality of what you're doing, you live and die, you stand on. Cause even if you're confident, it doesn't get you too too far. Yeah. It's like, if you're saying something that connects and it felt so real and pure to go out night after night, I mean, one, I think one year, goodness, in the space of a two year period, did over a hundred gigs. 
I was out all the time, all over London, pubs, all over different cities, Sheffield, whatever, you name it, like yourselves too, right? And it felt so pure and real. And even though now I do a poetry gig now, and again, I did one the other day, actually, supporting a tank in the bankers, you know, this brilliant, like, uh, yeah, band. yeah, yeah here, incredible. Here in Berlin, man, it was amazing. I had done a gig in like a year, it's like 600 people in there, got up stage, got up stage dressed as like Santa Claus in August. <laughs> Got on yes. stage, full Santa outfit in autumn. And I said, you're probably wondering why I'm dressed uh, as a Santa in the middle of August. You're like, why is Black Santa standing up there? I said, well, we can all assume because the gig is free. Christmas has come early. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, you could Yo, see them with the crowd. <laughs> listen, that's what he does. That's what he does. He like, he, like he's a funny, he's a genuinely funny. I'm to. funny because I keep, me- I mess up or whatever and I get angry. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but you're like, you know the one, remember the one, Pip, about, um, you might not recognise my best work and it's the flipping the voice yeah, from yeah, the post yeah, office. Yeah, I'd, I'd, mate, I'd milk that so much. I'd be Jesus. like, I made a million before my first single and all this before I got into spoken word and I'll go, you'll recognise it now. And then because I've got that kind of voice, I just go, cash in number one, please. And then just <laughs> just go through them for a bit and claim I sold it to 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 Argos and then to the, the post office and all of these places. Yeah, I used to revel in that. You know, I love like, your stuff's like variety show. It's old school. Your style is like old school variety show. You know those Christmas variety shows you see on the BBC that the whole family would watch? Yeah. yeah. And there was a compare doing it. They had that kind of like yeah, turn. Yeah, yeah. It was very classic. Yeah, like did, the two Ronnies, the two Ronnies type stuff, you know? Uh, uh, did, did you two ever do runs at the Fringe? Because the one time I did a, yes, a full 07. run at the Fringe was the 07. first time, mate, I got that show like you talk about like having a bits written. In fact, that Royal Albert Hall gig was kind of a warm up for when mm-hmm. I did the Fringe. I got that set so that I had, because I was scared. I was like, I know the Fringe is a, is a comedy festival and I'm up here doing poems about suicide and shit. So mm. I was like, I need to write actual gags in between. Mm. And I'd get, again, I was really lucky. The turnouts were amazing. Got good reviews and good compliments off wonderful audiences. Anytime a comedian was in and they'd come up to me and compliment me on one of the gags, that was all I cared about. I remember every single one of them because I'm doing these heart-wrenching poems, but heart-wrenching poems that are muscle memory now. I've been doing these for years. I know them. The bits I was scared about was like a little aside halfway through thinking, I'm at a comedy festival. I I need to make them laugh a bit. And yeah. yeah, but the way comedy's gone shit. now, you could actually do a Netflix special in the next few years. The way that comedy and spoken word has merged, like yeah. Hannah Gatsby yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah, and Nanette, yeah, yeah. it's so funny because comedy's actually moved towards spoken word. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like spoken word hasn't actually, it's stayed in its own lane, not because it's complacent, because it's like, that's what I love about spoken word. It doesn't apologize. You look at Holly mm-hmm. McNish and these people, they don't apologize. Like Sabrina Mafuz before she went mm-hmm. into Stella, obviously doing her one woman shows, like spoken word stayed where it was, not because it was stagnant, because it was evolving within its lane. Yeah. And now you're seeing comedians, oh, I'm doing something more kind of confessional. And I was like, when I saw the Nanette show, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I was like, oh my God, Hannah Gasby, revolutionary. I was like, she just gets on stage and talks. And I'm like, I love it. And also I've been seeing this since 2007. Yeah. yeah. So actually in a funny kind of way, what you're doing, Pip, it's like, look, I'm just throwing it out there. But if you ever did like a highly curated stage set, like look at your first tour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did a stage set, no, no commercial break. Go back to no commercial breaks. Yeah. And you revisit that and you're an office worker, basically. You, you're from the vantage point of an office worker because you were kind of the office before the office, let's be honest. Yeah, 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 if, yeah, you re- yeah. if you ever revisited that, let's yeah. say you picked one theme, let's say, let's just workshop now. Let's say it's one theme, <laughs> you're an office worker who no one notices even works there and you've got a friend who's taken their own life. Yeah. And you're just processing that by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and every day you eat your like you know cheese cheese and onion sandwich and you you meditate on the person they were that right there would just be straight gold you could sell that to anyone straight gold musa you've almost described the one novel I've got in my hard drive that I've never <laughs> I've never got anywhere with or done thing with. It's exactly that, basically. But I just, just want to quickly mention that the missing link on all of that is Rob Alton. Just the beautiful oh, line between comedy and spoken word. Yeah, just yeah. I Rob see Alton. him every... He's the reason I go to, to the Fringe every year now. Cause Magical writer. I'm, I'm challenging him to not make me cry. And his, mm. his, his crowd show this year, I was like, I've loved this, but he's not he's not got me. And then just did that and I was in mm. tears. I was like, you know, that works because that's a beautiful human being. I was getting all that's the way the through thing. thinking he's not yeah. done it this year because normally he'll make me cry a couple of times and I was like, he's not got me. He's not got me. Either I've hardened, it's been a tough year or he's changed and then, yeah, I was in bits. Always. Can I, can I say why I, something that applies to both of you as well and definitely applies to Rob is a sense of, it's like the, the different ways of broaching this stuff or whatever you're choosing to do it's what I would, like I said before, like what I would leave with or what I would sit there thinking is I believe you or I don't believe you. Yeah, right? And it's that yeah. thing of like, it's that thing of it's the exciting thing for me was never anything that felt familiar. Yes. It was always something that I'm like, yo, there's there's you, like, there you are. And we haven't even connected based on what you were trying to connect with. I don't think yes. necessarily or not literally, but it's like, yo, I think I know you a little bit more now so what that is is i might i might come up and say, and compliment a certain piece or something but what i'm really saying is like thanks because mm. it feels like i've now met someone that's part reassured me part inspired me part yes. comforted me and but it's like that thing of i believe you and like you'd see people and sometimes it was about a stage of development other times it was more about a kind of a slight desperation which mm. for me always translated as a need that pushed me further away mm. ironically because it was always like layered on to kind of let you know that we were all, and like I say, I didn't really believe it. And like, mm. it's, yes. obviously it's my, I'm bringing my own stuff to that. No, when no, I, it's the MF Doom was... lyric. My favourite MF Doom, my, one of my favourite MCs, my favourite, in fact, MF Doom was the top two songs on my Spotify Unwrapped. Yeah. Both MF Doom songs. Which one's that, please? Uh, Gazillion Air remix with yeah. the Dave Cytek. Yeah. And then Banish, the JJ, uh, the Beck remix. <laughs> Those are the top two all Yo. year, right? Yo. So the, my favourite Doom lyric of all time is on Raid, where he says, folks leave out the show feeling truly enlightened. Yeah, and that is the aim, isn't it? What you're saying, it's folks yeah. about the show feeling truly enlightened. They've seen something like this so profound. They come out and they're like, "Yes, I see it now." Because yeah, yeah. there's been lots of times in the last few years, we've seen what's happening in the world, and I've doubted the value of art. And I was talking to my friend Justin Salhani, brilliant Lebanese community builder, journalist, writer, like from a great tradition of writers, Lebanese writers, amazing guy, Justin. And I said, "Look, I don't know if there's a value in art. I worry the way the world's gone." And he says, "You never consider the counterfactual of what the world would be like if people weren't making art. Yeah. How many people?" Would not be hanging on if you got rid of the artists and that's yeah, why yeah, you know, that's yeah. why fascists always get rid of the artists first because they make yeah. the dream and that's the thing it's about that's how i love spoken word more than anything else because it was like every night you might have an audience of like sometimes five people sometimes two sometimes yeah. three at a festival field sometimes yeah. 500 whatever but like whatever it was you were trying to get people in that crowd to leave with something that was yeah. deeply felt and authentic does that make sense like it yeah, was always about what have i given they've like taken that was always the aim Always. And 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 again, because that then passes on. Like Paul, it was you, you who first r- recommended Rob Alton to me. Mm-hmm. You, me, and Kay, I think. I really, I've got a blurry memory of the night. I'm sure we were just That's drinking nice. somewhere, and we <laughs> ended up going to Bang Said the Gun. Yeah. I don't know if we'd planned it. I'm sure we just ended up there unexpectedly. We got up, lad. With three yeah. of us, got up yeah. and shared an open mic slot. Incredible. one open mic slot between the three of us. But when yeah. we got there, you, you looked at who was on, you and you were like. That Rob Alton lad, 
you're going to like him. And it, he, it, it was the first time I'd seen him. I'd never heard of the lad. I'd, yeah, I was kind yeah. of off the scene a little bit at that point. And yeah. What's more exciting to me? Nothing's more exciting to me than like a genuine recommendation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I'm the, the buzz that you'd feel from going, oh man, I have to show Moose this. I have to see that Pips this. That is, because that's kind of, it's like ownership of, of the relationship, right? It's like, it's like, I know, I think I know you. I think you will like this. It's probably the best gift I can ever give. It's something that I think I, I genuinely love. I know what you mean. Like, I, I do a podcast with this amazing podcast host, Ryan Hunt, amazing guy, super smart. And like, just one of the pleasures of being friends with a guy like that is just the mm. recommendations you send each other. Yeah. Have you read this? Have you seen that? Like, yeah, you check yeah, this yeah. out. And like, just, there's something about, I know it sounds like a bit sort of, um, what's the word? Self-congratulatory. But look, like, it took me a long time to get where I wanted creatively. And the thing about that is, it makes you appreciate the kind of, the journey Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you didn't pay attention to before, because if you're not getting where you want to in life, you have to stop and think. If I'd like basically had a breakthrough book at like 22, I might think that was just natural. And I've got friends who've done that. And like, look, it's not even a, a problem. Like, good luck to them. It's amazing. I think for someone like me, it made me really, it really forced me to celebrate the small stuff, like like this glass of wine or like a great new book that I find. You know, when you're in a bookstore and like, you pick up a book you've never seen before and you're standing there and like an hour later, like your knee buckles because you've just been standing reading it. Yep. Mm. And those are the books I love finding and passing on to Completely, people. mate. And I've learned to appreciate that more, I think, because it took me so much longer to get to where I wanted, if that makes sense. Yeah, or, it does or, make sense. Or, or speaking of, of recommendations, again, I can't believe I've, I've, not, I've not mentioned this to you, Musa, but we were saying, like, what have we, are we all been up to this year? One of the things I've started doing is streaming on Twitch, and I proper enjoy it. It's oh, yeah, proper, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I really have, have fun with it. And often I'll just be on there looking it's like i won't get around to playing a game i'll just be be, be ch- chatting to people in chat and going off on tangents and for some reason we went off on a tangent and i wanted to show people a riz ahmed's sour times video because oh that God. was that was wow. years ago and i'm part of it like a load of us all oh all, 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 all lip-synced it and i played that and i, I welled up like i've not watched it in years and it got mm. me because i remember the reason i was so keen i was happy to be involved was it just the first time i saw him performing it it had made me a bit was it made a veil yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah oh yeah, my yeah. God. yeah yeah that's and, wild and then so and so we watched that and then i was like look if i'm gonna sit here crying unless <laughs> bring up your passport by the king's wheel and i put that on and was just as ever i was in bits and a little while after the stream, I got a lovely message off this guy, Ami, who's a regular in my chat, really good lad. And he just was really grateful for having those two pieces shared. I won't go into big detail, but he related to both of them in really on a personal, specific yeah. ways on a personal level. And it kind of, it reminded me that this, like things like Twitch, they are really beautiful and personal connections. Yes, it is a yes. social media. I'm going, well, this is a bit of fun. I'll play a computer game. I'll chat to some people. I'll dick about. Mm-hmm. But, I love those moments, getting to share those things with, there was about a hundred people in there watching. And mm-hmm. again, I'm in a lucky position that that, that I get to just go, I, I let's, I let's sling something up on YouTube and watch it together. And you forget that that's, that's a genuine sharing. It there feels was an amazing so personal. Poet, there was an amazing poet called Wizard of Skill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest and in peace, was like, man. That man went through a lot. I think it was a heart thing. I'm not sure what it was, but he was such a kind, gentle soul. And he was like quite offbeat, quite comedic, right? But then every now and again, he'd say something so insightful that would cut to the heart of something. Mate. And he'd be like, this guy said something in a way that was so profound. In the middle of comedy, like he'd be joking because he was like, he knew he was offbeat. So he would really play that up. And then he would just say something that would just slice through everything. And I was like, the reason that works is because 97% of what you've said has been joking and speculative. And then you just cut. 
And it was yeah. masterful. Like he called himself Wizard of Skill and he'd get on stage, that's a bold name. And then about three minutes in, you'd be like, yeah. Yeah. And Dude, that, I, he, I loved it. Yeah. Mate, he sense. came through the roundhouse. He came through the roundhouse, right? I loved and like him, he, I loved him. Bless him. He, the, the first time we were, when we all got together, I was, I asked everyone, you know, some people who had never tried stuff before, some people had been writing a little bit and wanted it. I was like, anyone who has, has been writing things, anyone want to share something? My man stood up pulled out an old cassette uh, Walkman, right? He linked it to the, the the mini jack on the on the PA, right? He starts playing it. And I reckon, I'm like, yeah, let's start of 36 Chambers. He's like, yeah, yeah, shh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And like, so just the start of 36 Chambers starts playing, right? And then he starts, he was he was rhyming the start of Cream, right? But but off the beat, Amazing. right? And I'm like, in my mind, the, my first instinct was like, mate, okay, he's just off, but he loves it, he's excited. And then I'm like, no, 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 he's doing it on purpose. And then he stopped. And his words started, and then he stopped the tape, and then carried on speaking. Right, and people, genuinely, the whole room was look, weren't looking at him; they were looking at each other, going like, "What did I just? What was was that? Was that?" And I, and I was, I was just, my jaw was on the floor because it was incredible. like it was like four things at once, and it was, it was, it felt like you say, it felt masterful, but in a way yeah. that seemed like it, it was, was crafted. Like it was gorgeous. I love those he was moments like a, of you know what? at first thinking, "Oh man, this is embarrassing," yeah. and then going, "Oh no, this is embarrassing for me." I yeah. didn't realise what was happening. <laughs> that is the kind of guy you give a 15 minute. You know, actually, really, I have to say this because it makes me heartbroken, right? Yeah. Heartbroken generally. That is the kind of guy you give a, a budget on BBC4. Yeah. And you're like, and Duke gives it, I'm going to give you a year and some budget. And I want three 15 minute shorts from you. Yeah. And we'll and pick the best away. one. And we'll, we'll have all three and we'll pick the best one. The best one will be on the front page of BBC4. Mm. And the rest, will the, the other two will be supplementary. So on an overarching story, 45 minutes, but that will be the first 15 that we use as the centerpiece. Because yeah. that guy, honestly, the world he could put you into, he yeah. was based like the kind of the Phoenix Knights or the kind of, um, no, he was the League of Gentlemen of Poetry, <laughs> spoken word. He was a genius. Yeah, man. He's the kind of guy that could basically like have four different roles where he plays the shopkeeper, yeah. the local kid like causing, you know, Know, on the scooter, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. just cause look, making lookout for his mates. That's you'd the think, guy. Completely, you think you'd have a reference, and you'd be enjoying, almost smiling at a reference, yeah. and then realise that you'd missed two. Yeah, right. And He's amazing. Like, right, I, I love it. It's, one, it's why thinking the doom, right? It's why it never gets old. Yeah, and it, it's like it's like uh, there are points when it's like that's just for me, and it can't be. It's impossible. We've never met, yeah. but that and think of personal journals, lad. You think well, of, like, I was right, going to say Aesop as well. Like Aesop yeah. Rock is always one that Mate. I'm like. So many, like, years later, there'll be a song I know inside now, and I'll get a line that I'm like, I didn't get that for eight years, and now yeah. it's just hit. That's madness. Before we get, we keep going, just quickly, I haven't even asked you how long you boys have got. Are you, are you good? Because we're coming up to an hour now. I don't know if we Schedule's need to start. Clear. I'm, I'm scared. Listen, you go, you cut when you have to cut. Yeah. My schedule's I'm clear. You cut I'm when good. good. Well, uh, I, I, mate, yeah. mate, I'm the, I'm the Captain America of podcast. I could do this all day. Um, <laughs> you don't need to worry about that. I just, you guys have got real lives. I'm just checking in on you boys. Don't worry oh about me. <laughs> oh my goodness. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was part one. And fear not, unless you're up really early or really l- 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 late, part two is just around the corner. Uh, part two will be out at midday. It's probably already out, depending on when you're listening to this. But honestly, it becomes more and more joyous. As I said at the start, easily one of my favourite conversations of the year. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit for part two. Ta-ta.